Patrick Pitts from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel, and pretty much we're at the halfway point. Of the 50 most relevant countdown, if you're new to the coaches panel or new to the concept, it's simply this, who I believe across all salary cap formats are the most relevant. They may not be the highest scoring, but based on their price, their ownership, so many different factors, I believe they're relevant. We're going to talk about Clary Oliver, the Melbourne young gun superstar. It was a disaster 2019 for the Melbourne footy club, but he was one of the few bright shining lights. And crazily enough, He's not priced at the peak of what he can do. Joining me for his first episode of the 2020 season, i got the Rain Man. Hello, buddy. Hey, MJ. How you doing? Mate, I'm excited to talk about um, Clayton Oliver. Just crazily enough, 22 years old. He's only had four seasons at the elite level, and yet it feels like already, before we do break into his, years, uh, his season and break into the data, it feels like we've been talking about Clayton as a fantasy premium for such a long time, and yet he's only 22 years old. Yeah, he's, he's that case that we talk about that really started with a bang. You know, everybody talks about his first and second year, and we always get caught up in kind of third-year breakout or fifth-year breakout, but he was one of the ones that really proved that second year you can just go absolutely nuts. Yeah, he's done that for us last year. His best AFL fantasy and dream team score was against the Gold Coast Suns. It was a 161 uh, while in Supercoach. Same game, but it was a 175 average. It was just a touch under 106 in AFL fantasy and dream team and a 109.3 in Supercoach. He is going to set you back just a touch under 600,000 in that format of Supercoach while around about the 770-780 marker across both dream team and AFL fantasy. Last year, while it was not his personal best year, and certainly was not for his fellow teammates, it was still a pretty strong season. 12 games across the year with 30 possessions or higher. He was ranked second in the league for contested possessions at around 16 a game. Only Lockie Neal had more contested possessions than he did. He finished fourth in the league for clearances with an average of seven per game. Seventh for tackles across the league with six per game. He's just that perfect player for us while he does have you know using a fox kick to handball ratio that's not quite the perfect fantasy footy game he's just such a good strong consistent ball winning midfielder that he barely throws us up a stinker yeah and look those numbers are incredible MJ if you consider that he started the uh, season with no preseason mm. and a double shoulder reconstruction so uh, two bung shoulders still in the top 10 in tackles clearances, contested ball. Um, you know, imagine what he can do when he's fully fit. Well, that's it. There was so much concern about him in the preseason about how he was going to be able to go. We knew that he had the ability to do all the athletic and aerobic and endurance work. You know, your shoulders aren't impacted by that too much. But we did see a little bit of a scoring drop away from him. His average dropped around about three or four points a game across all of your salary cap formats. But it was still quite a strong year from Clary. In Dream Team and Fantasy, 15 tons out of a possible 22 games. Of those hundreds... 10 of them were over 110, and he only dipped below the 90 marker 
all year. He was ranked 10th for overall points, 7th for midfielders, and averaged 11th for all midfielders. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? For a guy that has this perception that he doesn't score high enough from a ceiling perspective, he was the 10th best scorer in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team all year. And I think that's the thing, MJ. Normally, when you think of Clayton Oliver, you probably think more super coach relevant. Yeah. But those stats, those stats are amazing. And I think it, he just gets so much of the ball. Just think again, and, and I'm probably going to harp on it a little bit in this podcast. Melbourne couldn't have been worse than they were no, last that year. That was deplorable. Plus no preseason, plus no shoulders, and he still pumped that out. So there is absolute room for growth. And I think if if anybody is not considering him in their starting squad, mm. they probably need to have an, a bit of a hard look at himself. Yeah, I agree. Look, he had more Dream Team and Fantasy tons last year than he did Super Coach tons. It was by one, yeah. <laughs> but he had more. So again, it kind of puts that myth to bed that he's a Super Coach for and not a Fantasy or Dream Team player. He got more tons, 15 tons. In Super Coach, <laughs> by the way, last year, 14. 10 of them were over 110. He does have a bit of a higher ceiling through there, just again, through such contested and clearance work that he gets a lot of his possessions and by osmosis, his Super Coach points. He has got a little bit of a, a frequent higher ceiling there. Four of his 14 tons last year over 140, so their captaincy numbers for us and again like in dream team and fantasy just the four scores below 90 very very similar um, numbers um, in terms of where he was averaged and ranked 10th for overall points in supercoach last year 7th for midfielders and 11th by averages for all midfielders but this is not just a one and done season we've talked about him for a few years if you look at his past Three seasons, really, since he broke out as a footballer. One, he hasn't missed a game. Incredibly important for us. Two, over the past 66 games in Dream Team and Fantasy, he averages 105 with 38 tons. Yep, that is a ton every 57% of games that he plays. That is not bad, but it's better in Supercoach. Over the past 66 games, again, he's just 22. He averages 111, 49 tons, and gets 174% of games. Durability, check. Ceiling, check. Frequency of tons, check. This guy does it all. And the other thing, he's got a pretty handy ruckman that's tapping the ball down to him too. It's true. Um, so, <laughs> so I, I just, it's, I really struggle to see any negatives with Clary. And uh, there's an interesting piece, and we'll talk about his numbers a bit more in a minute. But just looking through his numbers over the last few days, he uh, he actually has a, a quite a weird correlation with Max, particularly around Supercoach scoring. Mm. When one of them goes big, one doesn't necessarily go so big. Yeah. Um, but when even when uh, Max has had kind of his 100, 110 games, that's where you see Clary jumping up to the 140s and 150s. So why not uh, be the girl on the old El Paso ad and why not have both? Well, it's exactly right. You know, we saw um, them incredibly. If you believe that um, Melbourne are going to be better this year. Now, now, they can't get much worse. Um, and, and we do see this as a common trend amongst premiums, but it's always interesting to note. If you believe that um, Melbourne are going to be significantly better than what they last were last year into this year and get significant amount of wins, check the scoring splits for him in wins versus losses. Uh, in wins last year in Dream Team and Fantasy, he averaged 119. In losses, it was 102. Yep, a differential of 17. In wins in Supercoach, again, there's only five games of data, but he averaged 126 in Supercoach as opposed to the 104 
in Supercoach. So a differential of 21. So again, if you think he's heading closer to the year that Melbourne had of 2018 than 2019, there's growth potential in Clayton Oliver. And we talk about this myth that exists, Rain Man, that he's not a fantasy scorer. But yes, he doesn't have the frequency of 140s like Tom Mitchell and McRae and Grundy. And to be fair, not many do. But if he's past 32 tons in Dream Team and Fantasy... 27 of them have been over 110. And if that doesn't constitute ceiling, I don't know what does. Yeah, and I think in fantasy and dream team, there's a couple of people that um, may or may not appear in the in the 50 most relevant coming up. Guys like Trelaw, yeah. Zach Merritt, who you, you generally set your watch to. You pick them because they're super consistent. They may not have that really high ceiling, but you know that across every week, they're going to give you around about 110 to 115. But Clary's never in that conversation, and he should be. And, and I think going back to your point around, uh, I did some analysis around his wins and losses, and you're yeah. right with those numbers, and I'm just going to pick out Supercoach for a minute. Sure. So that 21-point 20, differential is huge. At 126 as an average is, you know, that, that nearly marks him as the number one midfielder. Yeah. If you look at that a little bit more, I've broken his season down into thirds because I've, I've kind of given him allowance in the first seven games that he's getting some fitness because he had no preseason or very limited. Yes. He had those shoulder recos. So across that first seven rounds, he averaged 100 and then basically 113 for the rest of the year to land him on 109. But the interesting thing is if you look at those, take out the two wins they had in the first seven rounds where yeah. he scored okay, but the wins that they, got, they had for the remainder of the season, which again, small number, was only three, but across those wins, his average jumps to 149. Gee whiz. It's That's not bad. a good number. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not bad, is it? He does have everything we need um, as a premium midfielder. He's got that durability. He hasn't missed a game in three years. He's got the frequency of hundreds, um, which means that even though his ceiling might not be up there with the big boys all the time, he's got one. We've seen that with that 160 in AFL Fantasy this year, the 170 in Supercoach, and certainly more notable and consistent in Supercoach. So he's got that. His scoring floor or basement is relatively high, so he's not going to burn you with the 50s. Because um, even when he does get tagged, and he has got tagged in a, a couple of games, and it has impacted him, probably the most notable was the GWS game, Matt DeBoer, who kills everyone, to be fair, where he got a 62 in Dream team in fantasy 53 in super coach that's probably more the anomaly um because when he does get tagged outside of a matt de boer um, it's 70s and 80s and 90s and and they're not going to destroy you in games no exactly and and there is a note there that he does have matt de boer in round two this year yeah. so i can see some people looking at that and going oh that's it's probably one we need to have a think about and it i is. think that's relevant to do that but to your point he bounces back so Post him uh, getting shut down by DeBoer uh, for that 53 in Supercoach, his next five games he went 122, 114, 114, 103, 158. It's not so it's not, like, yeah, it's not like it kind of puts a downer on him. He, um, he bounces back. And the, the interesting point around you know, that tagging, some of that last year was Melbourne's midfield were a little bit of a, a trial and error. We know Brayshaw played on the outside. Viney yep. was in and out. And, you know, Harms a little bit off halfback, a bit through the middle. So I don't think they really got that structure right. So the support of another big body in to help protect in that instance wasn't there. Towards the end of the year, they started to experiment with that mm. a little bit more. And I think the interesting thing is obviously, and we've talked a little bit um, in, in other podcasts around 
the, the ends that Melbourne have brought in this year, so a couple of wingers primarily, mm. you would hope that brings Brayshaw back into the middle, yep. which actually helps a bit with that support. So yeah. I feel like those, those lesser numbers, to your point, are, are going to be, that ceiling is going to actually raise a little bit. Yeah, and, no, and while, while we while we talk about that, let's not forget he plays a certain side called the Gold Coast Suns twice this year. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, eh? Not bad. In his last three against them in Supercoach, he's gone 175, 143 and 147. Ooh, yes. So I'd, I personally, I don't want to miss out on that. No, you wouldn't want to do that. As a reference point, if you're thinking about that, it's round five is the first one that it gets in there. So you look, maybe if a DeBoer tag comes and impacts him in round two, get a couple of price changes in round three and four, and then jump straight in because, yeah, I don't want to be missing out on that if he's not in your starting squad. And and maybe his ownership, if you are looking for something unique, there's a lot of similarities if you look across, you know, the soup. Picoach hashtag through social media. You see a lot of similar teams, not a lot of Clary. Maybe he could be the perfect unique option for you because if you look at the premiums that are really popular off his buy round, no matter the format, there's three really big names in Crips, Trelaw, and Fife. In a lot of formats, he'd probably be ranked fourth behind them. Yeah, that, that, and that's exactly right. And I think he's... The, you said at the start, he's ab- absolutely underpriced this year. Yeah. So I think there's a compelling argument that he has a fair bit of growth. He's just got to remember he's 22 years old. Um, yeah. You know, he's got so much growth in him, this kid, that he he will be a top eight midfielder, particularly in Supercoach yes. by year's end, and he'll be very close in fantasy and dream team. So for me, it's just the choice of whether you start with him or you wait a little bit. Yeah, no, I really like him this year. I, I'm, I think he's got one of the best options for us. Adds a, a little bit of value, not super crazy, 15 points or anything, but there's around about five points of potential growth on him on where he's at. I think he's going to be a ripping option for for coaches that choose to go on him this year. Let's talk about where he goes in a draft, Rain Man. And again, we know the caveat is every draft is unique and every coach based on their position that they're allocated and the way they choose to draft is different. But um, whether a coach chooses to go with him as an M1 or an M2 selection will largely depend on what they do with their opening round pick, whether they go for mid-mid with their first two picks or look to lock away a forward, ruck or defender in the opening round. Yeah, exactly right. And, and I see him pretty closely. He'll be on the turn, I think, in, yeah. in most drafts. Yep. So if you've got pick you know, 12, 13, 14, particularly in Dream Team, he's going to be sitting there. Super coach, you might get somebody like me who's who's super hot on him and, and gets him at a you know an eight nine or ten once the the two big rucks maybe a Whitfield and you know some of the big midfielders go. Yeah. Um. But I think if geez if you could land him as your second midfielder, um, open up the presents. It's Christmas Day. Yeah, it's certainly true. Look, I even see a world where in some draft formats, probably more fantasy and dream team stuff. You might if you you might get lucky if you're on the. If you've got one of the first two picks in round one, it, it's a stretch. But he might slide a little to you in some drafts if some reach for a Doherty or a Tom Mitchell uh, or try to lock away the, the forwards early. You, there, I can see a world where he's available on the turn into the third round. Oh, I just want to be having that pick in that draft I league. want to that move in be, that draft That league. would be yeah. ideal. Yeah, it certainly would be. Look, I think he's going to be one of the best midfielders for us this year. And Rain Man, I appreciate your thoughts today as we talked about Clayton Oliver. 
Anytime, MJ. If you want to go and check out the article and some of the stats that we've shared on him, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv. The other players revealed so far in the 50 most relevant, you can go and check them out. If you're loving these podcasts and want to get ahead of the game, we want to let you do that. You can join the Patreon army, help support the Coaches Panel, and you'll get these podcasts a day early. Yep, they already know who's at 25, and you don't. So jump on board the Patreon army. We hit the halfway marker of the 50 most relevant tomorrow, and it's a player that's going to cause some controversy for some.